All right, we invite you to take your Bibles and let's turn to Joshua chapter number 5. Joshua chapter number 5, where we've been looking at uh, getting ready to conquer. Saw the first part of chapter 5, the first eight verses we looked at. We saw Israel renewing their their covenant with the Lord and uh, the circumcision that took place uh, of all of those that were uncircumcised, which is most all the male men were uncircumcised needed to, that to take place. And we saw Israel reaffirming their confidence in the Lord. The Lord asked them to do this after they got into the land. And we talked about how, how they were in the enemy territory and it was going to take the Lord's protection if they were obedient to Him uh, because they weren't going to be able to, to defend themselves for a while and while they were healing. And so they had to have, trust God that the Lord was going to protect them through uh, getting through that. We're going to pick up in verse number 9 tonight. We, we, I want us to, as we're talking about getting ready to conquer, we see the, rem, the removing of their condemnation by the Lord. Verse number 9. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day have I rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off you. Wherefore the name of the place is called Gilgal until this day. Gilgal means rolling. Now, the terms reproach of Egypt, uh, some believe, has reference to two events during Israel's wilderness wanderings. Um, the first is found in Exodus 32. We're not, I'm not going to turn to these. I'm just giving you the references here, and we'll talk about what's going on, and you'll, you'll know what we're talking about. The first, in Exodus 32, verses 1 through 35, when the children of Israel made in a golden calf and began worshiping it. Remember Moses up on the mat, up on the mountain, and he comes back down. And the other happened at Kadesh Barnea, when the, the children of Israel displayed unbelief and refused to enter into the promised land. And that's in Numbers 14 verses 1 through 45. On on both of those occasions, the Lord threatened to destroy the nation of Israel and to just start fresh with Moses. If you read through those chapters that I gave you, you'll, you'll find that in both places. And both times, Moses interceded with the Lord telling him that, that he would, uh, you know, that particular, if he would, did that, that that would give the Egyptians a reason to mock the Lord. And so Moses argued with, that they uh, would say that, the, the, that God brought them out of Egypt but could not bring them to Canaan. Well, the Lord brought them into Canaan. The Lord did bring them to Canaan. At this point, they're now in the land, and God has proven that He is well able to bring His people into their possession. But uh, we understand what the Lord was talking about, and the Lord's able to take and raise up a whole other nation just out of Moses if He wanted to do that, because He's God. He can do that. Um, but we, we see here, He tells that He rolled the, their rep, the reproach of um, Egypt away uh, some feel that that's the reference to what he's talking about. Others uh, think that it's in reference to the fact that uh, they, the, the reproach of Egypt, they were in shame because they were living in slavery. And as they left, uh, Egypt was mocking them. You know, God's not going to, you know, God's not going to bring you into the land. Well, God did bring them into the land. And so, in bringing them to the land, the Lord did roll away that reproach, that shame in their past. That Their past was no longer an issue. It was a new day. 
So in a sense, you know, many of God's children today are living under the reproach of Egypt. They're living with the shame of things they did before they came to faith in Christ. And they're ashamed of the times when they have failed the Lord since they were saved. And either way, uh, these live under the constant stab of self-condemnation. And we know the devil likes to use that on our account, don't we? He likes to bring up our past. Whether we're talking about before we got saved or even since we've got saved, he'll say, well, look at what you did. Look at what you're doing. Uh, you know, how can you say that you, uh, you, you are the Lord's? Well, we know that the, the, we are the Lord's. Uh, it's by, by faith that we are His. When we placed our faith in Jesus Christ for salvation, our past is no longer any issue. And we need to come to an understanding of that. Uh, Psalm 103 verse 12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far hath He removed our transgressions from us. Isaiah 38 verse 17 says, Behold, for peace I had great bitterness, but thou hast in love to my soul delivered it from the pit of corruption, for thou hast cast all my sins behind thy back. Another one in Isaiah 43 verse 25 says, I, even I, this is the Lord talking, he says, I, even I am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake and will not remember thy sins. Aren't you glad the Lord rolled away our reproach? Um, the reproach of the old life has been removed forever. We must get past the guilt of those days before we really can walk in victory. You know, if we, if we keep uh, thinking about our past before we got saved and allow Satan to use those things, he'll drag us down and we'll never experience the victory that we so desperately need to be walking in. Many believers have failed the Lord. We all fail the Lord from time to time. Just understand uh, you're, not, you're not in that boat by yourself, okay? And as a result... Uh, when we when we fail the Lord, we feel defeated, and we feel like you know we're maybe second class uh, citizens in the kingdom of God. But listen, if we're saved, we're not. <laughs> when when we have confessed our sin, repented of it, and taken it uh, and taken care of as far as the Lord is concerned in our life, the Lord was telling Israel that their past was forever gone, and they were. To walk uh, looking to the victory of their present rather than to the defeats of their past. Now, we will never be able to walk in victory until we come to realize that the Lord has forgiven our past. So we see the removing of their condemnation by the, the Lord. And then the second thing we see here in verses 10 and through 12, we see them remembering the commitment of the Lord. Verse 10. And the children of Israel encamped in Gilgal, and notice this, and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at even in the plains of Jericho. And they did eat of the old corn of the land on the morrow after the Passover, unleavened cakes and parched corn in the selfsame day. And the manna ceased on the morrow after they had eaten of the old corn of the land, Neither had the children of Israel manna any more, but they did eat of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. So we see here in these verses, we find Israel once again keeping the feast of the Passover. We know that the Lord uh, established it as a memorial and an ordinance that they were first observed it whenever they were still in Egypt. In fact, the last night that they were in Egypt, uh, the day that the Lord sent the death angel throughout Egypt. In Exodus chapter number 12, that's where it was established. And the Lord said, you know, this I'm establishing this for a memorial, and you're to keep it 
from year to year. It's supposed to be a, a, a for, for, you know, in, in their life, they were to, to, to continually remember this. They also celebrated it at Mount Sinai before they left for Kadesh Barnea, and that's recorded in Numbers chapter 9. Now, those are the only two places that we see up to this point where they actually uh, uh, celebrated Passover, and we're not, we're not told how faithful Israel was in celebrating the Passover in the previous 40 years of wandering, uh, and, you know, no better than what they were walking when they were walking those 40 years in the wilderness. I kind of have my doubts whether they uh, were faithful to fulfill to partaking of the Passover. But remember that this was a time for the Jews to remember the deliverance of the Lord. And here we see they were now in the promised land and they were to celebrate the feast of the Passover for the first time there in the land. They were to remember the things that the Lord did for them in delivering them out of Egypt and in providing for them along the way as well as bringing them into the promised land just as he told them he would do. What a lesson that ought to be for the redeemed of the Lord. Uh, When we face the battles of life, we must remember the great things that the Lord has done for us in our past. Amen? And uh, talking about delivering us from our bondage to sin. Just like they were in bondage to Egypt, we were in bondage to our sin. And the Lord provided for us along, along the way and has bringing us uh, into his abundant life. What a blessing, amen? Well, taking time to remember uh, the way God has proved that he is strong in our life all along the way is, is important. We, we, we should never forget the things that the Lord has done for us. Um, when we remember those things, it will give us courage to face the next battle. When you remember what God has done in the past, it strengthens you for the future. And so if he, if he was God then, uh, when we needed him in the, in, behind us, uh, he's God still today, and he will help us in our walk tomorrow, today and tomorrow. Just as Israel needed to remember the Lord's commitment to them, they also needed to remember their commitment to him. Uh, for 40 years, they had eaten manna every day. Remember how that came about? You know, where they were griping. <laughs> they were griping at the Lord, griping at Moses. You know, you brought, you brought the whole congregation out here just to starve us to death. Is that what, is that what happened? No. The Lord prov- graciously provided manna. We see that they ate of the, that manna, uh, but whenever they ate of the fruit of the land of Canaan, the manna ceased. Um, but and we see that Israel, I'm sure they were glad for the manna of the seas because they had complained about the manna at times. <clears throat> so, you know, we, 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 all we got to eat is all this manna. And, you know, we, we wish we had some meat to go with it. And, we, and God made them sick off the meat. <laughs> uh, and, but they still were eating the manna. And I'm sure they were glad that the manna was over. But listen, the manna was needed, wasn't it? The Passover reminded Israel that the Lord had brought them out of Egypt, but the manna was a constant reminder of what they had left behind in Egypt. I mean, when they ate that manna, uh, listen to Exodus 16.3. Children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the flesh pots and when we did eat bread to the fool. For uh, ye have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. What did they remember? They remembered 
the good things and the place where they were in bondage. I mean, they were in slavery, people. You know, <laughs> and they here they are remembering that they well, we at least we ate real good there. <laughs> uh, it w- wasn't a real good thing. It w- it was one thing for the Lord to bring His people out of Egypt, but it was something else to get Egypt out of His people, and that's what uh, the Lord was needing to do uh, in their lives. And that happens for us too. Far too many believers have an appetite for the things of this world, that old life that we used to have. You know, we need to forget that and look at the new life that we have in Christ. May the Lord help us to develop a hunger and thirst for righteousness' sake and and be filled with that. uh, May we develop a hunger for the harvest of our inheritance that we have. So we see them removing their their condemnation by the Lord and they remembering the commitment of the Lord. And then in verses 13 through 15, we see them recognizing the control of the Lord. Now here's, this is the bridge here. These three verses are a bridge into what we're going to be seeing when we get into chapter number 6 and following. Um, they're getting ready to go uh, to Jericho and start the conquest. The conquest hadn't begun yet. I mean, they've just come over into the land. They haven't done any fighting yet. But the fighting is ahead. But the Lord's going to fight for them. And the Lord said He was going to fight for them. Look at verse number 13 here. It says, And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? And he said, Nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord am I come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. And Joshua did so. So we see here uh, Joshua recognizing the control of the Lord. Who is in control? Well, we know the Lord is, right? On this day, Joshua, I I, I think he was probably scouting out a little bit, looking at the wall, trying to uh, assess what he's got before him. Uh, He's looking over the city of Jericho, and he sees this man uh, standing with a a drawn sword. That would get your attention, wouldn't it? I mean, here you are looking at Jericho and somebody with a sword drawn. So Joshua boldly asked the man to identify himself and to state which side he was on. And when the man responded, he said he was the captain of the Lord's host. Now Joshua could clearly discern that this man was in charge. Um, He was captain of the host of the Lord. He was definitely in charge charge and Joshua's response was to fall down before him to both worship him and to listen to him I mean we see him uh, here uh, worshiping Uh, it says there in verse number 14 Joshua in the middle part of the verse Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him what saith my Lord unto his servant so he's he's ready to listen isn't he he's ready to listen and he, he is he's in a worshiping mode and, you know, that's the way uh, to victory. Joshua's response was an indication that he was willing to submit to the will of the Lord. 
And you know what it was going to take to get through the, the massive walls of Jericho? It was going to take the Lord. They weren't going to be able to do it, but the Lord could. No problem for the Lord. And we'll see in the, in the future that there was no problem. But they needed to submit to the will of the Lord because the Lord was the one that was, was going to give them this victory. And so Joshua knew who was in control. And before we can have the victory, we must acknowledge that the Lord is in control. He is Lord, and we are His servants. Amen? And therefore, what He says, we must do. And so we see the blessing of His presence here. Uh, Joshua was under a great deal of pressure. Just think about it. Joshua... Yeah, he, he did lead some, uh, some folks, some battles there in the wilderness when they were wandering around the wilderness, but nothing on, on the scale of this. I mean, you're talking about having to get through some impenetrable walls, looking from a human standpoint. And he was trying to lead an army in the successful conquest of a very powerful enemy. And more than anything, he needed to know that the promises that the Lord gave him when he called him were real. And here Joshua was experiencing the reality of those promises. Now, let's just flip back real quick to chapter number 1. Chapter number 1, let's take a look at a few things here. Uh, Verse number 5, and this is the Lord speaking. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Be strong and of good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not uh, from it to the right hand or to the left that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. And uh, he, said, he skipped down to verse number 9. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of good courage? Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God, notice this, is with thee whithersoever thou goest. So he was, he was given the promise that the Lord was going to be with him. And, and so he was trusting in uh, that promise from the Lord. And uh, you know, being under a great deal of pressure, trying to lead this army in a successful conquest over a powerful enemy, more than anything, he needed to know the promises of the Lord uh, were, were in fact real. And so Joshua was experiencing the reality of those promises uh, standing there that day. The, the Lord was telling Joshua that he did not have to fight the upcoming battles alone. He's, uh, he's even telling Joshua that the battles are not his responsibility, but they're the Lord's when he said, uh, you know, I'm, I'm captain of the host of the Lord. I mean, he's already been told that the Lord was going to fight for him. And, uh, and so this is the captain standing before him. Uh, the, you know, the same is true as we face the battles of life. Um, the, the battles are not ours. They're the Lord's when we look to him. David told Goliath, quote, the battle is the Lord's, and, unquote. And that, and, and that hasn't changed. You know, David faced overwhelming odds. You're talking about he's just a little skinny runt, and uh, Goliath, a towering giant, well, uh, got, uh, got plenty of uh, armament on, and uh, uh, carrying a big sword, 
And uh, here you have David, uh, just a ruddy child, and uh, he had uh, the, the sling that he had and five, five stones. The Lord has promised to be with us, to support us, and to lead us to victory. The key to seeing these promises fulfilled in our life is to do what Joshua did. Get on our face before the Lord, worshiping Him and seeking His will for the battle and let Him lead us to victory. You see, he's, he's asked, what, what saith my Lord unto His servant? <laughs> and the idea here is He's listening. He's listening for what He should do. And we're going to see in, when we get to chapter number 6, He's given some specific instructions for Him and the children of Israel. And what do they have to do? Do what they're told. Do what the Lord told them to do. If they just do what the Lord told them to do, things will go, go well. So we need to get on our face before the Lord, worshiping Him and seeking His will for the battle and let Him lead us to victory. I wonder tonight, are you experiencing victory? Are you ready for victory? Uh, not before you make certain preparations. I mean, just like they had to make preparations, we have to get ready to conquer also. So let's each prepare for victory that the Lord has planned for in our life. Because victory is ours if we look to the Lord. Amen? All right. That's our Bible study for this evening. And we'll pick up next time, Lord willing, in chapter number 6. Let's pull back out our prayer list. We'll pray for the needs. And we'll be dismissed with this prayer.